Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 28th of May 2013. For newcomers, help yourself to my website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll see other sites listed there. These are the official sites that I have up there. And they all carry audios for free download. Where I go through the big system we're born into. I go into the how old it is, the big foundations that set them up themselves up a hundred years ago to bring this world into a global society, a planned society too, with experts running the world, uh, and running us too individual, in fact, from birth to death, as I mentioned in Scotland the other day, they're really at it already over there as a test bed for the rest of the planet. And also too, to, to show you that the world doesn't simply progress towards some willy-nilly plan. The world is planned way in advance, way in advance by big, big think tanks that work for these foundations. The parallel government, they call themselves, they even put them, their own members into government across the whole planet. And their, their private corporations or, or, or institutions like the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, same thing. So we're going through the big, big plan. It's been on the go for a long time. They had to bring world wars in even to make countries get to their knees, to give up sovereignty, to amalgamate them into trading blocks, old, old plan trading blocks. Karl Marx talked about them too. And then giving them uh, big central banks for the whole block, which have done in Europe. And I've got America to follow and also the Far Eastern Pacific Rim, which they're really going ahead with too. So we're going according to plan along an old, old script basically. And remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can help me take along here and point out the things that uh, they, they don't mention in the media by going over the media and, and telling you what they're omitting and why things are really happening. And if you can buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, that will help me to go along. And I go through the art of chronology, a very old art, still used today, very, very important, in fact, because everyone's conned in this world. We're indoctrinated by professionals. And no one's exempt, really. Everyone's had the same indoctrination, except the, the children of the elites. They're brought up with a different set of values and principles and reality, and they know um, more, more or less what's going on, what their roles will be in it, too, in the future. So from the U.S. to Canada, to keep me going along, you can buy the books and discs, and you can use personal checks from the U.S. to Canada. You can also use international postal orders from the postal office to Canada. You can also use, send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And straight donations are awfully welcome as we go through this quantitative easing, which is inflation and devaluation of your currencies across the world, all happening by design. Everything's happening by design. How could they talk about getting a world into austerity before the big bank crashes, unless they created the bank crashes and then caused inflation? Uh, that's how you bring in austerity. There has to be a reason to do it and a method to do it. And as things get more and more expensive, all your spending money, your free spending money, will go to essential goods and energy and so on only. And you have nothing left at the end of it. As we go down the planned road to destitution and austerity, which is simply a form of poverty and simplicity. 
But of course, the elite themselves will live uh, in a sort of space age kind of uh, environment for themselves. That's the plan. H.G. Wells went through it a long time ago, and he was a front man for the propagandists in the Fabian Society. And he did believe that experts should rule the world and that the average person was just too stupid to make their own way in the world or plan their own lives out ahead uh, and so on and so on. So we're really living through a script. It's hard for most folk to accept. They, they believe it must be aliens. It has to be aliens because humans aren't bright enough. And only a person who is ignorant, and we are ignorant, we're, we're kept ignorant, in fact, of the long history of humanity and the long history of uh, great minds, even thousands of years ago, who understood how the masses of the humans think. Uh, of course, this, as humans are doing this, and the sciences are well understood, and they're pretty well perfected today. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and what a matrix it certainly is, isn't it? Because after all, the chessboard, I always say, is set up many, many years before uh, they have to actually use it. And what they did in many countries in Europe was to flood it with mass immigration years ago from the most diverse countries, not from European countries, but diverse countries, diverse cultures, that is, in order to bring in martial law across the whole of Europe down the road when they would start to attack the, the, the places that those people came from. And that's how you set up the chessboard. It's long-term planning. If you had just the, the ordinary Washington's people living in a country, uh, then you couldn't very well bring on martial law since they were all, say, for instance, British. They'd be British stock, old British stock and so on, as it had been for thousands of years. And people would be saying, well, why are you bringing in martial law here? So it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. So you have to bring mass immigration from those countries that you're going to eventually attack down the road. They've done it in most countries, uh, across the world actually, first world countries. And we're seeing the effects of it today because, you see, to bring in a global society and the kind of global society they want where you're monitored from birth to death, you have to get in a, f- a more form of martial law because everyone must be constantly monitored. Yesterday I mentioned the article from, from Scotland on the Girfec program where every child was uh, to be monitored from birth right through life actually, not just to their adulthood. They want to go all through your life there with psychological testing and they'll tweak you one way or another if you're not politically correct and, and your recent update for the new what you're ever supposed to be all for and not phobic about uh, will get a fix for you. And this is all coming down the pike now as we speak and that's why you also need National Health Services. National Health Services are not there to treat your, your physical illnesses anymore they're there for to supply abortions, which they actually call sometimes like an illness, and um, and also to give vasectomies and and etc. etc. That's what they're for. Plus the indoctrination with the psychology departments and psychiatric departments today. So everything has a purpose. It's all changed from what it used to be, and it's interesting to go back to even Lenin who said that eventually all these services which will start up in the Western world, the capitalist world, will turn into be authorities down the road. That was always the plan, and he knew that back then. So we're living through the, the time of, of the, the culmination of all this happening right now as we speak. And, of course, we all saw the articles coming out of Britain to do with the Woolwich uh, slaughters, the, 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 the public execution, basically. Uh, done by a couple of guys from uh, other countries who lived in Britain, no? and um, I think it was Nigeria was the main country. But uh, 
it turns out, of course, like most things, you always find MI5 in Britain or you'll find uh, the main uh, secret services in other countries setting up guys for falls, etc. They, they do know who's going to do what. Everyone's monitored, especially these people, because it turns out that the, the suspects in this had been going into uh, notorious websites. So everyone's been watched, you see. Why do you think these notorious, suspicious websites are allowed to stay up all the time? They're trying to radicalize people to do crazy things. Who do you think puts them up and finances it and doesn't get them pulled? When you can pull uh, sites in Australia, for instance, that are, are, are against abortion, they get pulled immediately. But but here you are with a country like Britain, and they allow a, a sort of a jihadist website to, to carry on. And, of course, the whole idea is to entrap people, find out who's looking into them, follow up on them, find out who they are, etc., and find out uh, what, their, what their mental state is, etc., Anyway, it turns out that the Woolwich murder suspect Michael Adebayo-Lodja was approached by MI5 six months ago and asked if he would work for the security service. A childhood friend of this suspect terrorist claimed that MI5 started following Adebayo-Lodja Adel- uh, after a trip to Kenya last year. He went to Kenya in the hopes to cross the border and join another group of terrorists, apparently. So Britain tipped off Kenya, they grabbed the suspect at the, uh, at the airport, and they, they held him for quite some time. And it said here, um, the murder suspect believed MI5 was bugging him and knocking on his door, asking for information on certain individuals. And it says, um, MI5 is already facing the criticism after it emerged that uh, Adbalajo and fellow suspect Michael Adbowali had been monitored by the security service for eight years. Eight years. Now remember too, uh, these are the prime suspects who've been to all these different websites. They'd been abroad looking to get recruited by terrorists, etc. And they were under the watchful gaze. It had to be daily, by the way, of MI5, and yet it still happened. So was it allowed to happen? Was it allowed to happen? I mean, they could have stopped it if they wanted to. They, they would know what these guys were going to do every single day. And not only that too, they're already trying to use this to get more surveillance on the general population who already have all their emails and everything else monitored. Why does the whole population have to get monitored but this kind of thing still happens? Hmm? And MI5 had these two guys in their sights all the time. This is allowed to happen. Obviously. And it's it facing inquiry by MPs amid a raft of devastating revelations about the alleged killer's known links to Islamist extremism. It says, speaking on BBC's News Night program last night about Edbo Lajo's MI5 claims, said his working was, they are bugging me, they won't leave me alone, that was MI5. He mentions initially they wanted to ask him if he knew certain individuals, but after him saying that he didn't know these individuals, what he said was they asked him if he would be interested in working for them. He was explicit in that he refused to work for them, but he did confirm he didn't know the individuals that they were asking about. Uh, Nusa Yabas also said he thought Adobaloja Alaja had undergone a, a change following his detention by security forces on the trip when he was detained in Kenya. He said, uh, suggested he'd been physically and sexually abused while he was interrogated in the African country. And after this, he became withdrawn and less talkative. He wasn't his usual bubbly self. And following this interview, Nusayaba himself was arrested at the BBC in relation to terrorism offences. 
The Metropolitan Police said a 31-year-old man was arrested in relation to terrorism offences and search warrants were executed at two addresses in East London. And it says um, the rest was not directly linked to drummer Rigby's death, the, the Met said. It emerged earlier this week that Adber Laja was so high profile he was photographed outside Pannington Green Police Station six years ago behind notorious hate preacher Anjum Chudri. He even intercepted by officials as he attempted to travel to Somalia to fight alongside Islamist terrorists last year. Also emerged that he was a violent ex-prisoner who was a member of a banned terrorist group. Incredibly, he was said to have been preaching jihad on the streets of Woolwich earlier this week, only a few hundred metres or yards from where the 25-year-old army drummer Lee Rigby, a married father, was beheaded. As MI5 faced accusations that, that they let the man slip through the net, how could he? They were watching him every day. David Cameron ordered a, fuel, a full intelligence review by a Westminster committee. It's also claimed yesterday that, that uh, Adwale became radicalised after trying to escape gangland trouble. Britain's a mess now, isn't it? It's an absolute mess. As his London-born Adebiwale was told to disappear after he was caught up with a local gang known as the Woolwich Boys and underwent a dramatic change of personality. Once he was a fun-loving schoolboy, described as always smiling and chattering to neighbours about Jamie Oliver recipes, he began dressing in traditional Islamic dress and preaching a radical message of hate. Adebiwale gave up alcohol and began distributing radical leaflets near his mother's home in Greenwich, south-east London. Neighbours said his Nigerian-born mother, Juliet Obasuya, was a probation officer and a hard-working Christian woman who raised Adeboe alone after uh, separating from her, his father. Anyway, it goes on and on, but the fact is, MI5 knew these guys, they knew what they were doing, they're probably watching them every day. They'd certainly have a, 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 all their phone conversations daily. They would know what was going to happen, and then that was allowed to happen. But they're, they're using this to go after all the general population again for further intrusion into all the population's uh, daily uh, mails and so on, and their phone calls, etc., etc. So it, it's fulfilled its purpose at someone's expense, of course. And also this article, too, is awfully good because... I've mentioned before about the Wi-Fi, uh, which is <laughs> quite a powerful signal, as we all know. And uh, now you've got it in smart meters and, 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 and so on. And it's causing uh, uh, a terrible effect on lots of people. It says, the women who say they're allergic to modern life, blinding headaches, violent sickness, even blackouts. So could Wi-Fi mobile phones and ITV screens be to blame? You can get fed up going over these articles because... It's been well, well proven uh, from early studies to the present over and over that it causes a lot of problems with the body because every molecule in your body uh, runs, every cell runs on a, on a very small amount of electricity. And when you get different competing ways of electricity going through your whole system, your whole body, like Wi-Fi does, it can disrupt so much in your system uh, and, and you get all the, the, the sick effects from it. But it says... Um, it says Julie Taylor from East Devon suffers from electro-hypersensitivity, essentially an allergy to man-made radiation. And Jessica Sapphire from West Sussex had to give up her job because of the EHS, as they call it, hypersensitivity. Hannah Metcalf believes EHS has prevented her from becoming pregnant and goes through uh, various different signs and symptoms, the standard ones that you get with this two massive headaches, dizziness and so on. 
and how it affects their bodies. But it says here, I felt I was going crazy. Doctors couldn't find anything wrong with me. I was fit, healthy in every other way. A battery of tests proved it, and yet my head felt like it was about to explode. Couldn't work properly because I was so exhausted all the time once I didn't sleep for four nights in a row. That's another thing, too, is often sleeplessness, too. So I felt like I was living in a nightmare. So why did nothing help? Julia is convinced it's because she suffers, suffers electro-hypersensitivity. She believes she's allergic to atmosphere, man-made radiation caused by Wi-Fi, phone signals, mobile phones, TV screens, and fluorescent lights. In short, she's allergic to modern life. The symptoms reported by sufferers of the EHS range from headaches to nausea, sickness, severe abdominal pain, heavy bleeding, and even blackouts. It says yet EHS is a controversial condition. Some countries, as Sweden, recognize it as a functional impairment. And Britain and some countries say there's no significant evidence linking it to ill health. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about uh, Wi-Fi, basically, and effects on health. And uh, this um, this professor of human radiation effects at the University of Bristol says that many people who live close to high-voltage power lines, for an example, uh, suffer sleep, sleep disorders and depressive symptoms, as seen in a number of cases. And says this could be explained by the fact that magnetic fields, such as those found near power lines, disrupt the nocturnal production of the sleep-inducing hormone melatonin, he says. Whether other symptoms of EHS occur in this way is not known, but researchers are looking at a number of ways in which electric and magnetic fields may adversely affect health. Two years ago, the European Assembly passed Resolution 1815, which, amongst other things, calls for restrictions on Wi-Fi in schools and the use of mobile phones by children. And the World Health Organization has classified electromagnetic fields of the kind used in mobile telephones as potentially cancerous. And uh, there's been lots of studies on that, of course. Then it goes through some of the, the, the individuals who have been hit with this and the symptoms that they have. And it ties up with all the other stuff I've read before from people who live, even live in the, in the top buildings of apartments, who the whole top floor, uh, they, they found out the whole bunch of them were leaving one by one from the apartment block, and it's something they met later on, and they found out they all left for the same reasons, because they were getting the same symptoms, because there's big, giant, uh, really, uh, uh, the satellites up there, or, or dishes up there for Wi-Fi, and, uh, and they were getting dosed with the stuff big time. And so different, different affects everyone much the same way. Some more than others. Some have to leave the city they're in and, uh, and live outside the city area and then they feel fine again. Mind you, that would get you feeling good anyway, I think, getting out of the mess of the cities. But, it, but anyway, that's what happens. I'll put this up tonight for those who might even have this problem. But uh, many studies have been done in different countries. Some countries have completely recognized it's a definite ailment. And some countries like Holland even will, um, Come in if you have a problem. They'll come in, test your your room, and if you're if you're getting Wi-Fi from from adjacent relays and so on in the streets, they will literally paint your room in the copper paints, etc., ceiling, uh, floor, everything, and do as much to proof it from the Wi-Fi as possible. And they do see it helps. Now I mentioned too that the Royal Mail everything's to get privatized in this world order. Carl Quigley 
who was the, the, the archivist and, and the actual historian for the Council on Foreign Relations, said this himself from the plan, the big world plan. He says everything is to be privatized. A new feudal system would come in, and the new feudal overlords would be the new CEOs of the corporations. And we're here, basically, as they privatize everything off. Even the old sci-fi movies had this, this scenario in it, with the bulk of the population living in poverty and rubble, that's called austerity, and the rest of them living high, high, as I see in a space-age kind of techn- technological setting. So that's how it's to be, no middle classes at all. But anyway, they're doing the same with the, with the banks, and, and they're doing, and some of the banks, the, the post office in Britain, which is going to be sold off to private speculators and so on. But also probably a link tonight to say that the banks have been asked to gauge by the end of the week the appetite for a one and a half billion pounds uh, uh, syndicated loan back to planned privatization of Britain's Royal Mail Group. So try to get money into it by loans to make it seem more appealing to those who are going to buy it. It'll be taxpayers' money too, I bet you'll fund it all. But who's behind it? It's Rothschild. This is, the, this, is the, this is Reuters news. Rothschild is advising Royal Mail on their financing, the bankers said previously. And so, uh, same old story. These, these, the Rothschilds have been handling the planet for centuries now, you know, in very, very big ways. Also, too, we've seen all the scams in the U.S. with Solyndra and other companies that were funded completely by massive free grants to, to set up with all their promises. Mind you, when you get all these grant monies for, for trying something new, sustainability, etc., for power, uh, you don't have to really come up with anything that works. It doesn't matter. Some people are just making their living going from one grant to the next doing this kind of scam. And millions are getting thrown at you, too, to do it. But uh, in Britain, they've gone to certain kind of stoves and, and big furnaces, even for, for power plants, and they're going to use wood chips, and the government in Britain has financed these companies that make the stoves. Big time, taxpayers' money, free gift again. Not bad, eh? And it says, renewable energy, why burn U.S. trees in U.K. power stations? Because that's, ch- that's where these pellets are going to come from. So environmentalists are trying to block the expansion of a transatlantic trade, bringing American wood to burn in European power stations. The trade is driven by the EU rules promoting renewable energy to combat climate change. Many millions of tons of wood pellets will soon be shipped annually to keep the lights on in the UK. Other EU nations may follow. Critics say subsidizing wood burning wastes money. It does nothing to tackle climate change in the short term and is wrecking some of America's finest forests. And it says that the BC's environment analyst Roger Harabin explains the process and examines the impact of the policy. Well, it's just all rigged, folks. It's a quick sample. Everything's a big, massive con. You don't start off companies today by trying to do it the old hard way and get guys in to, to back you financially and do hard work. You just go to government and you, you talk about renewable. Put the word renewable and sustainable in there and they'll throw cash at you. And you make it all for nothing, cost you nothing. Not bad, eh? It's all scams. But the thing is, too, don't forget the biofuel also is just simply growing massive crops, not for food or consumption, but to they could then compress it in their pellets as well. It doesn't have to come from forests. And this is their big con as well that they're doing today. That's why also food will go up and up and up and up. And this one here is amazing. I thought it was a joke at first. In Britain, they're not going to privatize the court system. Maybe G-Force will buy that too. Back with more after this. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're cutting through the matrix, talking about the privatizations that are going on across the board. And not just the, the post office in Britain to be privatized, but they're talking about courts as well. And it says, today's front page of the Times newspaper was issued ahead of time yesterday evening, bearing the headline, Courts to be Privatized in Radical Justice Shake-Up. While many hoped it was a late April fool or a piece of overzealous reporting, closer investigation suggests these hopes were futile. The UK government has once more chosen to pillage a public service in the pursuit of private profit. These changes in combination with other privatizations and cuts will result in a two-tier justice system or justice to the highest bidder alone. Since these plans have been entirely closed to public debates, that's because Britain is the, the, you know, the heart of democracy. Says, in fact, there's been only one public reference to this fundamental overhaul of the justice system. Chris Grayling, Minister of Justice, made an oblique reference to a review of the justice system in remarks to Parliament this March. He said the courts and tribunals at the, at the centre of the justice system relied on by the public to enforce their rights and uphold the rule of law. As in other cases, we need to look at the way we deliver our services to provide a more efficient service that delivers access to justice quickly and effectively while delivering volume for money uh, for the taxpayer. At the same time, we must preserve the independence of the judiciary, which lies at the heart of our constitutional arrangements. And according to the Times report today, it says courts in England and Wales are facing wholesale privatisation under revolutionary plans that would end the system that's extended since Magna Carta. The idea would establish the court service as a commercial enterprise, paying its way and freed from treasury control, with court buildings and thousands of staff put in the hands of private companies. It would save the Ministry of Justice £1 billion a year. And it's interesting too, I've read articles about what's happening in the U.S., where some of the private companies and so on are giving bribes out to judges already uh, to put young offenders in their institutions, these private jails, and making a fortune off it. But you can imagine when they privatise the judges as well, and they will definitely be run by a company like G-Force, it might even be G-Force, which runs schools, it also runs um, uh, police organisations across the world, it also runs, uh, I was going to say prison camps. Some of them are actually are prison camps in some countries, but prisons. And, and of course they're going to keep their, their, their brand new prisons full if they have their, if it's a going concern. And the taxpayers are going to foot the bill for it all. And they're going to make sure that their judges make sure lots of them go into prison, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. Anyway, it says, a paper outlining options is expected to go to Mr. Greeling within two weeks with a tight timetable for action under which the shake-up could proceed this fall. The plan is strongly backed by the Justice Secretary. Options under discussion include having, hiving off court buildings to a private company which would run and maintain them or a more radical proposition in which the 20,000 court staff would also transfer to the private sector. The Guardian immediately followed up uh, with a quote from the Ministry of Justice claiming that the proposals being considered are not the wholesale privatization of the court services. These claims come as nothing new to those who are raising alarms about the Health and Social Care Act, the Welfare Reform Act, or other pieces of government legislation. The government has continued to insist that its reforms do not amount to privatization and contradiction with the facts. Contradiction with the facts. Well, of course, it's Orwellian. It is exactly what they're saying. And it's the way they're going. So that's it, folks. That's how it's going. Also, with uh, with NAFTA, North American 
free trade agreement and the free trade agreement that came before it, uh, when you combine them all, uh, were really transnational within the Americas, you might say. And it says here that here's an example of how it works today. Julia Trigg Crawford of Texas, of Direct Texas, is a manager of a 650-acre farm their grandfather first bought in 1948. It produces mostly corn, wheat and soy. On its north border is Red River, and to the west is the, the Boys Dark Creek. It says that TransCanada is an Alberta-based corporation that's building the controversial Keystone Pipeline that will carry bitumen thicker than most corrosive and toxic than crude oil uh, through 36 diameter pipes from the Alberta tar sands to refineries on the Gulf Coast, mostly to be exported. It's, it's great too. I mean, Canadians are paying for this thing to get built. The taxpayers are, are, are built, helmet, built, get it built, of course, naturally. And maybe the U.S. Is, is putting some cash in as well from taxpayers' money for a private company to export it abroad. See, we're living in what used to be called fascism, but a communist system to manage all of us with massive bureaucracies. Anyway, it carries on here, and it says here, the 2.3 billion southern segment, about 485 miles from Cushing, Oklahoma, to the Gulf Coast is nearly complete with the exception of a 300-mile extension between Cushing and Steel City, Nebraska, the rest of the $7 billion, 1,959-mile pipeline is being held up until President Obama either succumbs to corporate pressure and or business pressure or blocks the construction because of environmental or health concerns. But when TransCanada first approached the Crawford's father in 2008 and offered to pay about $7,000 for easement rights to put their pipeline through the land, he refused telling the company, we don't want you here. He said the corporation could reroute the line just as other pipeline companies in oil-rich Texas had done for decades. TransCanada increased the offer in the following years, but the family still refused. In August 2012, with Dick Crawford's daughter, Julia Trigg Crawford, now managing the farm, TransCanada offered $21,626 for an easement and a threat. We were given three days to accept their offer, she says, and if we didn't, they would condemn the land and seize it anyway. She still refused. And so TransCanada, a foreign corporation, exercised the right of eminent domain to seize two acres of the farm so it could build a pipeline. Governments may seize private property if that property must be taken for public use and owner is given fair compensation. Although the exercise of eminent domain to seize land for the public good is commonly believed to be restricted to the government, federal law permits natural gas companies to use it. To get that right, all TransCanada had to do was fill out a one-page form and check a box at the corporation to declare itself to be a common carrier. The Railroad Commission, which regulates oil and gas in Texas, merely processes the paper rather than investigates the claim and submitted as never denied common carrier status. And the, the contorted logic that's often spun by corporations, TransCanada then declared itself to be a common carrier because the Railroad Commission said it was, even though the Commission's jurisdiction applies only to interstate, not interstate, carriers. On August 21st, 2012, the day before Judge Bill Harris of Lamar County uh, rendered his decision on Crawford's complaints, the sheriff with the judge's signature issued a writ of possession giving TransCanada the right to seize the land. So there you go, folks. It's international now. You don't have your own governments and laws and so on anymore. And by the way, these laws were all changed with all the various treaties they've been signing over the last 20 odd years. In fact, if it's a foreign company coming in from China, they can do the same. 
It says the next day Harris issued a 15-word decision transmitting by his iPhone that upheld Transcanada's rights in Texas, as in most states, landowners can only challenge the settlement but not the action. So there you go. It's uh, as the big corporations divvy up and just grab your land, whether you like it or not, from other countries. Also, too, we know that Obama, or the guys who run Obama, Obama doesn't run the country any more than than Prime Minister Britain runs his either. Uh, they're all front men for the guys behind them, and the guys who put them in, by the way, too. But it says here that Obama is worse than Nixon, it says, in constitutional uh, affairs. It says, in the wake of the twin scandals of the IRS targeting conservative groups in the Department of Justice spying on AP reporters, the comparisons between Obama and Nixon are everywhere. This is former New York Times General Counsel James Goodell, who represented the paper during its Pentagon Papers fight with the Nixon administration, said in an interview yesterday that Obama is worse than Nixon when it comes to press freedoms. And it gives you a link to that, too. And former constitutional lawyer Glenn Greenwald noted last year, he says, we supposedly learned important lessons from the abuse of power of the Nixon administration and then of the Bush administration, namely that we don't trust government officials to exercise power in the dark with no judicial oversight and no obligation to prove their accusations. Yet now we hear exactly the same mentality issuing from Obama as officials and defenders to justify a far more extreme power than either Nixon or Bush dreamed of asserting He's only killing the bad citizens, so there's no reason to object. And it says, um, Jonathan Turley, perhaps the top constitutional law expert in the U.S., and the liberal rights, the painful fact is that Barack Obama is the president that Nixon always wanted to be. Four decades ago, Nixon was halted in his determined effort to create an imperial presidency with unilateral powers and privileges. In 2013, Barack wields those very same powers openly and without serious opposition. The success of Obama in acquiring the long-denied powers of Nixon is one of his most remarkable, if if ignoble, accomplishments. And it gives you a few examples, such as warrantless surveillance. Nixon tried that, and he got in a lot of trouble over that, too. Since last month, the Supreme Court crushed any remaining illusions regarding FISA, F-I-S-A, when it sided with the Obama administration in ruling that potential targets of such spying had to have proof they were spied upon before filling law- filing lawsuits, even if the government had declared such evidence to be secret. That's only the latest amongst dozens of lawsuits the administration has blocked, while surveillance expands exponentially. And then he goes into unilateral military action. Well, Nixon's impeachment included the charge that he evaded Congress' sole authority to declare war by invading Cambodia. In the Libyan mission, Obama announced that only he had the inherent authority to decide what is a war, and, and that as so long as he called it something different, no congressional approval or even consultation was necessary. He proceeded to bomb a nation's capital, destroy military units, and spend more than a billion dollars in support of one side in a civil war. And then kill this, it says, Nixon ordered a burglary uh, to find evidence to use against Daniel Ellsberg, who gave the famed Pentagon Papers to the press and later tried to imprison him. Ellsberg was later told of a secret plot by the White House plumbers, they called them, to incapacitate him in a physical attack. It was a shocking revelation that nothing compared with Obama's assertion of the right to kill any U.S. citizen without a charge, let alone conviction, based on his sole authority. A recently leaked memo argues that the president has a right to kill a citizen even when he lacks clear evidence of a specific attack being planned. 
and then attacking whistleblowers. Well, it's true enough, Obama's got the worst record on cracking down on people who's coming forward with uh, whistleblowing about wrongdoings within government uh, agencies, etc. Since Nixon was known for his attacks on whistleblowers, he used the Espionage, Espionage Act of 1917 to bring a rare criminal case against Ellsberg. Nixon was vilified for the abuse of the law. Obama has brought twice as many prosecutions as all prior presidents combined, as, and it gives you a list of them, while refusing to prosecute anyone for actual torture. The Obama administration has pr- uh, prosecuted former CIA of employee John uh, Kiriakou for disclosing the torture program. And it goes on and on and on. But that's the way it is today, folks. You've got a, a Roman president there, a tyrant, you might say. The tyrant is put in. And when tyrants went into Rome, they had complete sole authority of a god, you understand, over life and death, all power. So much the same again, isn't it? Now, we've seen so many times uh, very unpopular people being given charge of big cash uh, to, either for charity purposes, for disasters, for instance, and that's the last thing you ever hear, the money. It's like Bill Clinton was given charge along with Bush, uh, uh, as well, uh, senior, I think it was, to, to look after the, the, the cash that was supposed to go to Haiti, for instance, after the earthquake, etc. And it all kind of just disappeared. Now, Tony Blair, who's been given a strange quasi-governmental job, and I say quasi because it's not really official, but he's getting paid by taxpayers' money, to be part of the quartet, the column, who work in the Middle East. At the same time, he's allowed to make a lot of money for himself uh, for uh, advocating J.P. Morgan's uh, um, desires over there too. Anyway, Tony Blair is to be in charge of £3 billion plan to revitalize Palestine's economy. What a joke that is. And U.S. Secretary of State uh, John Kerry reveals. Now, Kerry is completely on board with all other factions and enemies, actually, of Palestine. So it's a complete joke, this thing. But it says, Secretary of State John Kerry has declared he believes that a potential $3 billion plan is emerging that could boost the Palestinian economy by up to 50% in the next three years. It could also cut employment by two-thirds. The average wage could jump 40%, he said. But Kerry said it all depends on parallel progress on peace between Israel and the Palestinians, which will never come because Israel will never have it. And I've read articles recently where they've all said that. That's never going to happen. And Kerry has been working with former Prime Minister Tony Blair and global business leaders to devise economic plans to revitalize the Palestinian economy. They might get some new paint for their barbed wire, you know, that keeps them all under wraps. He offered few specific details that acknowledged that his vision might easily be taken as fantasy in a part of the world that suffered through decades of conflict and where peace prospects remain dim. We know it can be done, he insisted. It's a plan for the Palestinians. economy is bigger, bolder, and more ambitious than anything proposed in the last two decades. So we'll see where the money really goes, or else we won't see where it goes, as I say. But it's all a joke, and it's more of a PR stunt, this one, than anything else. And this article, too, is to do with uh, Scotland. You never hear much about Scotland except for the fact it's a totalitarian regime that, that pretends to be Scottish Nationalist Party, which is actually a communist party. Uh, it was taken over uh, very quietly and uh, always had this goal. And they're the test bed for the, as I say, for the monitoring of children from uh, birth to death, basically, right through your whole life. This is the first country to be, to be given this a massive, uh, intrusive uh, scheme uh, devised by even Sarkozy was in on the planning of this, this thing, apparently. 
and uh, if parents in Scotland can't stand up and tell them to go to where they know they should go, which is a kind of way past not, uh, John O'Groats, then uh, they, they deserve what they get. Not, not kidding you folks in Scotland, you'd be better stand up for yourselves. It's about time you stood up for yourselves. It's about time. But also Scotland has, has been used for rendition flights by the CIA. It's come out. And it said that... Um, the CIA program involved the secret detention and transfer of terror suspects to other countries for interrogation, which is torture, uh, and so on. Researchers at the University of, of Kent and, Kensington, and Kingsington studied thousands of flights suspected of being involved. They included that 13 planes with links to the CIA operation touched down at the airports. Rob Gibson, the Scottish National Party MSP for Keith Ness, Sutherland and Ross, called on the U.S. The key governments to come clean on what uh, knowledge it had of the alleged CIA rendition flights. The findings were made in, uh, made in work by Dr. Ruth Blakely at the University of Kent and Dr. Sam Raphael at Kingston University in London. These of Preswick, Glasgow and Edinburgh as a stop-off from journeys often linked to U.S. and Middle East was already identified in their, in their interactive online database. North and Northeast links were not previously considered suspicious by the team, but were highlighted for further investigation after details of flight plans emerged. I quickly studied, studied, studied five flights landed at Wick, a further five at Inverness, and then three at Aberdeen, it says here. So they've been doing it all along, uh, and keeping quiet about it. One aircraft which landed at Wick in 2004 had been logged flying to secret prison and torture destinations, the researchers said. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix. Also, too, uh, Joe Biden. It's amazing. This man has no self-respect at all. He's... he's, um, in any age, this man would get up to near power as long as he praised the power. But it says here that Vice President Joe Biden offered praise for the Jewish community that raised some eyebrows and seems to have delighted anti-Semitic conspiracy theorists. At a DNC event for Jewish American Heritage Month Tuesday evening, after noting Jewish Americans' uh, disproportionate representation in Congress, impressive share of Nobel Prizes, and role in the civilian rights and women's rights movements, Biden then praised their work on behalf of gay marriage via the control of the media. I believe what affects the movements in America, what affects our attitudes in America, are as much the culture and the arts as anything else, he explained. Think behind of all that, I bet you 85% of those changes, whether it's in Hollywood or social media, are a consequence of Jewish leaders in the industry, he says. Biden also cited one of his favorite explanations for the success of gay marriage. It wasn't anything we legislatively did. It was will and grace. It was a social media, literally. That's what changed people's attitude. That's why I was so certain that the vast majority of people would embrace and rapidly embrace the measure. In those developments, Biden explained the influence of Jewish people is immense. The influence is truly immense. It says the vice president's comments have been seized upon and praised by a range of anti-Semitic and white supremacist groups and websites, even though, he said, I may add, the Jewish community's influence in the media is all to the good, he says. And that was from the National Review. And so it's 
it ties in with what a lot of people have been saying, mainly about they're angry at Hollywood, etc., for radically changing from the days of before even McCarthy, uh, Hollywood was changing the culture of America. And, of course, it came up to during the anti-American uh, um, uh, meetings that they had, too, and inquiries uh, that, uh, that this was so. And many of the guys in Hollywood came forward, and some of them had to step or stoop pretty low and expose the fact that they were pushing various communist things during the Cold War through their movies and so on, and script writers. Also, too, there's five teenage girls revealed their alarming stories after getting the cervical cancer flu jab, or, or can, cancer jab, I should say, for HP, H, human papillomavirus, and what happened to them. Some of them, there was almost like narcolepsy they've got, but they've, they've come down, they get um, terrible ailments and uh, pass outs, in fact, dizzy spells, and various other effects as well. Some of them have had their lives ruined, and they're very, very young people. And, of course, they want to keep the, this, the tabs down on this because they don't want people to get the idea that, that uh, it's as big as a problem as is becoming out that it actually is. They're trying to keep it under wraps. Because Big Pharma now has a lot to play in, in the scientific uh, role of controlling the populations uh, for the future. Science, pharmacology, etc. is a big, big part of the, this new order. Bertrand Russell and many others purported that they would be behind all of this as they, they came in and took up the rightful place to direct the future of the world and also to do with uh, what kind of citizen would be the ideal citizen. But definitely they're giving, having detrimental effects, a lot of them, to get this uh, HPV done. And they can't even prove they'll actually even uh, stop cancer from happening. It says in this article, in fact, that most who actually get it, their body deals with uh, the papillomavirus themselves, and nothing happens with it. Well, from Hamish from Seattle, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>